Sam Clements and welcome to the 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest. This is a podcast that celebrates films of a 90 minute or less runtime and is entirely curated by guests on this podcast. Today we're joined by Chris Hewitt, whose words you can read in the world's biggest movie mag, Empire Magazine, and whose voice you can hear on the Empire Film Podcast. Welcome, Chris. <laughs> Hi, Sam. I don't know why it made me laugh. The Empire Film Podcast. That's the official, hear... that's the official I title. I really don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. At some point, someone added the word film to the title. It was and weird when I was writing I this just... down. I had to double check. I'm like, yeah. Oh, that doesn't look right. Just to kind of differentiate it from all the other Empire podcasts that are out there. And actually, weirdly, there are quite a few. There's obviously podcasts dedicated to the TV show Empire, which course, came along after we launched. So I think that's why it's in the Empire Film Podcast. Although... I don't think you will ever find evidence of me saying those three words, apart from, obviously, now. Right now, on this, this is podcast. good. Yeah. Maybe you should change the magazine to Empire Film Magazine. <laughs> we should. Because <laughs> I think it's one of those, it's, it's a title that says, it screams film, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, a, I don't know, a different name, like Total Film. Something, <laughs> something that screams film. Sight and sound. Sight and sound. It tells you what you're getting. Empire, I don't know what that is. <laughs> Could be about colonialism. I don't know if I want to read about that. You'd be very disappointed if you went into <laughs> Tesco's and picked up the mag thinking, ah, nice dose of colonialism. <laughs> what are the Romans up to, do you say? Practical colonialism. I think as long as I've known you, you've been at Empire Magazine. How long have you been at Empire? Too long. Too, too long. I've been at uh, officially too long. 18 years. Whoa. I know. That's a big it's crazy one. Because I don't, I don't look at it. I still look like I'm in mid 20s. But yeah, 18 years. I started in 2001. And my very first day was the Empire Awards 2001. And it blew my mind because I got to meet Finney Jones. And it's all downhill from there, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> He's the really juggernaut. Is. He really is. He wasn't then, though. <laughs> no. He was just Finney Jones, the man who had broken my heart in 1988. It's a football thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know. It's all good. It's all good. But yeah, it's it's been eighteen years, and uh, it's been it's been a wild ride. No, it's it's really great. And um, doing the podcast over the last few years, that's the Empire Film Podcast. In case people weren't aware, is really really fantastic, and I really love doing that. You know what doing a podcast is like. It's, it's how freeing it is, and you, we've spoken to all sorts of amazing people over the last well eighteen years, but principally since we started doing the podcast, we've been had I've had some amazing adventures. Yeah, it's been really fun to to listen. I'm glad you guys did a podcast when you did, and I think I remember because my other hat is where doing the Picture House podcast, and you mm-hmm. guessed it on that a couple of times. I, did, I yeah. remember after we recorded one in our little pokey office, you said, "I think I might. I think there's something <laughs> in this podcast game. Maybe yeah. we'll do an Empire one." I and uh, and you, I'm you like, and so are, nice that you yeah. told us that, and then and now it's it's still going and it's going great guns. It's huge. It's yeah, it, yeah. We're we're really happy with it. Yeah, you and Simon are directly responsible for. for so sorry. <laughs> Apologies. The Empire podcast. Honestly, we started this seven years ago, and we thought we may have missed the boat here. You know, this may be podcasts time may have come and gone and we seem to have both of us i think have seemed to have stumbled into it at the, at the right time it's, do, it's doing really really well it's such an incredible <laughs> to be sincere for a second it's such an incredible form of expression mm. and the fact that it's so democratic anybody can do it anybody can pick up a microphone and record themselves saying something as long as they have something to say about the subject then it, it can be compelling content and that's why i love them and i think for the readers of empire it's nice to you get to go a little bit deeper 
You know, sometimes a review might be an eighth of a page or a half a page or something, yeah. and it's one person's opinion. And I, I really like you have that chat format where you, everybody, I like how sometimes you're like, in Empire, we give it this, but I actually disagree. And I, I yes. liked it more or less. And yeah. it's nice that you can be that candid on the show. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I don't think any of us agreed with the star ratings <laughs> <laughs> that are Bloody quote magazine. unquote official. Um, <laughs> But that's fine, you know, if you don't like it one week, you can take a star of one movie and add it to the movie that you that you, that you really, really like. I love that. I love the fact that we can get uh, in-depth and, you know, not, not to plug the Empire Film podcast too much, but, you know, I'm really, really proud of the spoiler specials that we do and, you know, the, the, the fact that we can go so in-depth uh, on movies, quite often with the creators as well, is, is huge for us. You know, whether it's Chris McQuarrie going pretty in-depth on Mission Impossible Fallout. We did six hours, in case, in case people don't know that. Uh, I interviewed Chris McQuarrie for six hours about one movie, which might sound exhaustive and exhausting, and maybe is, but uh, it was an absolute delight. And then this year we, we did a whole bunch of stuff for Avengers Endgame. So, yeah, I love that. I love the fact that we always say Empire is a broad church. So, you know, we'll, we'll always, we'll, we'll do in-depth spoiler specials. We'll, we'll talk about reviews and in-depth as well. But it also is very silly as well. I, I, I love that side of it. And how many Avengers Endgame spoiler specials are you up to now? We're on 47. Okay. At the moment, good. we've got uh, out of a possible 14,605,000. Uh, so we've got a ways to go. Now, uh, officially I, four, four. I feel like maybe if you just drop one spoiler on this, we can make this the fifth Endgame spoiler special. <laughs> it's really tricky, isn't it? But, well, at the end of the movie, obviously we all know that Steve Rogers turns into old man Cap. A prune. Yeah, a prune Rogers. A prune Rogers. <laughs> prune Rogers. I'm pretty sure it was one of my neighbours when I was growing up. Prune Rogers. She was ever so lovely. A very well-maintained garden. We've got to courier the shield back to uh, the lads. I, d- but I, don't, but I don't know where that shield came from. Sam, at the end of that movie, because he has a shield, and it's a different shield than the one that we see earlier in the film. Thanos breaks the shield. Thanos does break the shield, so... There's no shield. So who builds that shield for him at the end? Uh, Let's say Howard the Duck. (laughs) Okay, let's go with that. (laughs) And this is the fifth Empire (laughs) (laughs) Sword Watching movies is a big part of your job, to say the least. I think. But what do you do? Like when you when you go home, you're home from the office. Uh, do you do you still go to watch movies for pleasure? Is, yeah. is watching movies fun still? Watching movies is, is is a lot of fun. I do watch a lot of TV as well when I get home of of an evening, and I'm a big football fan, so I watch a lot of football to relax as well. But yeah, movies are absolutely a big thing for myself and my wife. And one of the reasons I love this podcast is that it, and I've heard other guests say this on the show as well. Tim Anderson, I know, said this, that a 90-minute film, when you get home after a long day out and you're absolutely exhausted, you're thinking, what do we watch? I begin to look at runtimes now rather than necessarily the film itself. It's hard, isn't it? The, the hoops you have to jump through to find, because often when you're looking at film choices, the runtime is, is sort of hidden. If there's just, yeah. if just All streaming platforms need a filter for <laughs> 90 minutes or less. Yeah, if, it's really if, tough. I would love to make that happen. That's the podcast mission. <laughs> if nothing else, though, I guess, if you do want to find a 90 minutes or less film, you can just see what podcasts we've, what films we've covered on the show. It's an invaluable <laughs> resource. <laughs> it really is. And now we're going to add another movie to the list. Yeah, let's add another one. So, so yeah, so we, we asked, what film would you like to talk about, Chris? Yes. How did you make your decision and what are we about to talk about <laughs> well immediately i said evil dead 2 ah. <laughs> <laughs> and here we come to complications uh immediately said evil dead 2 for a couple of reasons one evil dead 2 is under 90 minutes two evil dead 2 is the greatest movie ever made 
And and then I thought about it a little bit more. And I thought, you know what, I've talked about it in depth on both the Empire podcast and another podcast as well, the Evolution of Horror pod as mm. well. And I I just thought, you know, I want to talk about something that's a little bit more fresh and that I maybe haven't talked to death. And so I said to you, hey, that's, uh, maybe I'll choose something else. And then a couple of months later, Joe Cornish's episode of this, <laughs> this podcast came out and I went, okay, that's why Sam wasn't resistant. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please, thank why. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why. So we had someone actually famous who knew what they were talking about, talking about Evil Dead 2 instead of me going, oh, I love the bit where Bruce Campbell chainsaws that thing's head off. Which is a level of discourse you would have got. I, from I me. think Joe may have said that as well. We um, <laughs> we had a, a brief moment where they were both. You both had Evil Dead Two in your shopping cart at the same time, and I was just wondering who was going to make it through to the checkout. So after Evil Dead Two, uh, after I took it off my list, I was looking for. I was I was desperately hoping that some films uh, that I love were under ninety minutes, and I kept looking at things like because I'm a big horror film guy, and a lot of horror films are are really really short. Brevity is a big thing in horror films. But a lot of horror films I really, really love just aren't under 90 minutes long. So then I was looking at comedies. And comedies for me, comedy is, is almost the sweet spot of movies that are under 90 minutes. Because I have this thing about comedy. Well, I think there's a sweet spot for, for comedies. And I think 85, 86, 87 minutes is around that time. Get in, short, sharp, shock, uh, make people laugh, get out again. And leave them wanting more, which is always good. It's, it's such a sad thing. If you're, I'm really enjoying this film, but I wish it would end. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chris, what film did you choose for the festival? I chose the movie that should be called Cool Beans, but isn't. I chose Hot Rod. Amateur stuntman Rod Kimball, Andy Samberg, has a problem. His stepfather, Frank, Ian McShane, is a jerk. Frank picks on Rod, tosses him around like a ragdoll in their weekly sparring sessions, and definitely doesn't respect him, much less his stunts. But when Frank falls ill, it's up to Rod to stage a jump of his life in order to save his stepfather. He really is a jerk. Um, yeah, he, d- he does not love wish... Joy, does he? <laughs> I sort of wish they mentioned the only reason Rod wants to save him is so he can kick his ass <laughs> in a fight scene in the weekly sparring sessions. That don't really that. is the crux of the film. They <laughs> do not mention that, which, you know, not to jump too far ahead in this movie, results in, I'm going to say, I'm much good with the hyperbole, Sam, so, so please excuse that, but I'm going to say it's probably the greatest freeze frame ending of a movie in the history of cinema. Let's go with it. I would agree with that. Because <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't, most... Directors don't end on freeze frames. No, it's it's for some reason it's it's frowned upon. You shouldn't use it. It's tacky. Um, I can think of a number of, of directors recently have done it. You know, uh, both Alfonso Cuarón mm. and Guillermo del Toro have finished uh, their movies recently with freeze frames. So it's absolutely fine. But there is a, a kind of unspoken rule also about narration. But uh, don't use don't end your movie on a freeze frame. But I say if your freeze frame is Andy Samberg kicking the shit out of a frankly repulsive Ian McShane and punching the air in triumph. Then go for it. That's a big crowd pleasing ending. All movies should end like this, quite frankly. <laughs> Avengers Endgame, we'd be doing we'd be doing a seventh or eighth spoiler special on that if it had ended with Andy Samberg kicking Emma Shane's ass. So this film is directed by Akiva Schaefer yes. and stars Andy Samberg and Jorma Tacone, who are better known as the Lonely Island. They are. They are. And this came out in two thousand seven originally. Yes. And it was maybe not a huge success on its uh, original theatrical run, but I think it's become a bit of a cult classic. Would you agree with that? I would absolutely agree with that. Uh, It really wasn't a success, which is why I think it took them about 10 years (laughs) to persuade Hollywood to give them a second chance at making a movie. 
with pop star Never Stop Never Stopping. Which is also under 90 minutes long. <laughs> and it is also awesome. It, absolutely. Um, but <laughs> I do I do love Hot Rod just that little bit more. There's something about its utter craziness. It's it's almost, it's like it's, um because it, it wasn't written by them initially, it was written by uh, Pam Brady, who is a an SNL and South Park writer as well. But there's no question that, that the Lonely Island Boys uh, took at least one pass at the script yeah, as well absolutely. and infused it with their kind of very, very weird sensibilities, their very, very off-kilter sensibilities. It's it And, and it, it feels like it is a movie written, directed and starring by people who feel that they may never get a chance to, to write, direct or star in a movie again. And so they just throw everything at it and they take all sorts of risks with it. And the result is genuinely one of the funniest comedies uh, I've ever seen. And the reason, one of the reasons I chose it is because it's it's fairly recent as well. I could have chosen, for example, Top Secret, which is an amazing, amazing film uh, from Sucker Abrahams and Sucker. But this movie, it is possibly the film of the last fifteen years or so. It's maybe yes. I'm, I don't want to. I don't want to include Anchorman in that because Anchorman is sacrosanct. Mm-hmm. Fourteen years, the movie <laughs> of the last fourteen years that has made me laugh most in the cinema. It, it uh, it's still an incredible uh, memory for me remembering that, seeing it for the first time. I think it's because the Lonely Island are better known for their music videos and their they they were sort of at the beginning of like great YouTube content. Yeah. Making these exclusive music videos with quite good production values and really yeah. smart, really clever comedy, but it was, you know, it was a three minute sort of joke. I think they were one of the first people who did the SNL online only stuff. So yes, SNL was commission short films yeah. and, and things just for their YouTube channel. And like in two thousand five, two thousand six, that's a bit ahead of the curve, I think. It's kind of amazing that these guys got a shot to make a feature film based off some of their Lonely Island like the YouTube videos. That's basically yeah. what happened with them. Yeah, and so quickly as well because I think Sandberg had only been on he was the heat. Sandberg is still very much front and centre. All three mm. of them act and all three of them are in, well, this movie as well, but Popstar yeah. never stopped, never stopping principally. All three of them are, are you know have major roles in that. But Sandberg has always been the front and centre of, of Lonely Island. And so he was kind of I think around about the time of SNL, I think Will Ferrell, maybe confusing my timelines here, but I think he would he had either just left SNL by that point or was about to leave SNL to pursue a movie career full time. And I think they were looking for a new poster boy and Andy Samberg was it. And in many ways, weirdly enough, this movie feels a little bit like a junior anchorman. It has that same sort of anarchic feel. Uh, Rod Kimball is almost like a junior Ron Burgundy in many ways, and that he's a he's a blustering braggart who has no real sense of his own stupidity and and how terrible he is at uh, at everything and how terrible he is as a human being. So you can almost see this at some point, maybe having the original script maybe landed on. Will Ferrell's desk at some point. I'm speculating. Well, I think uh, it was actually written for Will Ferrell. Well, there you go. So Pam Brady wrote this for Will Ferrell. You've done more research than I have. <laughs> I applaud that. And and for whatever reason, Will Ferrell didn't do it. And Lorne Michaels took the script and gave it to Lonely Island Boys. Yeah. And they had a pass on it, even though they're not credited. Like you say, you can yeah. definitely tell it's had the Lonely Island treatment. There's <laughs> there's no way, for example, I well again I don't know because I haven't read the script, but there's, I, I imagine there's no way that Pam Brady wrote a scene where characters just say the phrase cool beans to each other. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. And then it turns into a <laughs> one and a half minute really mad experimental uh, odyssey of, of freaky editing. Absolutely. And it's I think that's so great, great for uh, fans coming because like Lonely Island had a big following at this point and they've got an even bigger following now but like, stuff like that is just pure Lonely Island. That's yeah. like such fan appreciation. Like yes, they got it in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Things like the uh, the 
You're the Voice sequence, which is this wonderful, joyous celebration which turns into a riot. Mm. Yes, it's, <laughs> Oh, that slays me. Absolutely slays me. My safe word will be whiskey. Sorry, Rod, what was that? Whiskey. Do you mean whiskey? What? You're saying it weird. Saying what weird? All of it. Where do you get off? I just don't get why you're saying it that way. Why I'm saying what what way? Forget it. I will. I will forget it. I think knowing that they've got the canvas, they've got studio backing them for some reason, they've got a huge budget. Like they're really enjoying this. You can tell they're they're bemused by this whole thing. Like, yeah. oh, could we get a load of extras? Yeah. Yeah. Could we, could we have like a load of extras? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Could we could we have a riot scene? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could we blow up a car? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just reveling it. And that, that scene is such a good gag. <laughs> yeah. All of the off screen, like behind the violence stuff. Yeah. There's even a, like a, a helicopter comes in at the very end. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. There's a little, there's, it's not a grace note because it's a, it's a really horrible joke. But at one point there's a, there's a person in a wheelchair and you see him actually tipping the person in the wheelchair over. It's a horrible joke. Mm. Very problematic. And I'm not condoning it in any way, shape or form. But that's the kind of, you can see, the, you can see how far they were pushing it and how edgy they were prepared to be. The things Paramount said yes to. <laughs> I, you know, can you imagine being a fly on the wall when they got this movie back? Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, really? Re- really? This is what you've done with all our money? So it's probably in that sweet spot of studio budgets which are small enough to not interfere with too much. Yeah. So they're they're just able to really push the boundaries and I quite like that. Yeah. Maybe now, I mean, they're all much bigger. People know Sandberg is such a huge star. Maybe now it wouldn't quite be the same. But at this point in their careers, nobody really had any expectations. So this is a great little capsule of some people who w- fell into this job because someone passed them a script and the budget not being anything too big to interfere with. So they just went with it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and expectations is absolutely right. I had I had zero expectations for this going in, into it. I saw this in... LA in 2007 at a press screening Comic-Con had just finished and myself and a few colleagues were there we went along with a friend of mine from LA as well it was empty press screening and sometimes those are the best ones especially mm. for comedy especially if in the first couple of minutes I realised that this comedy is on the same wavelength as me because then there's almost something weirdly perverse about the enjoyment of that and laughing so much and so hard in, a, in an auditorium where your laughter is pretty much the only other thing apart from the soundtrack for the film. And it, it was just a great, great, and in the first couple of minutes it hooked me right away. And I just knew that this is, I'm yeah, this movie gets me and I'm getting it. It's great. Did you, from working at the magazine, did you have any uh, sort of sense of this film? Did you, was there any, like, you know, were, were no. you excited for this? Was this on the no. radar? No, not at all. In fact, I don't even know when this came out in the UK. It must I think have... it was probably early 2008. Yeah, it would have been around that, I guess. Uh, I was working at a cinema at the time, and I remember it came, and it played to a very small audience for a week, and then it went away. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I sort of remember, oh, it's a shame. And now you'll get people who probably tell you, I was there at the beginning. Yeah. I saw Hot Rod at the beginning. I've been on board ever since. Uh, no, I, I went to see it because it was, I think, uh, it was James White, who is our guy in L.A., I think he said there's a screening on. We had a couple of days to kill in LA before getting the flight home. And he said, there's a, there's a press screen tonight, Hot Rod. Like, Who's in it? Uh, Andy Samberg. Okay, I know that guy. Yeah, from the, the stuff I've seen on YouTube. Yeah, it looks pretty funny. Uh, I went along and uh, it was just absolutely, absolutely incredible. Loved it. After this film, did you follow Samberg's career like a little bit yeah. closer uh, than you were previously? I got really evangelical about this film for a while. I like doing that. And uh, I've had good fortune to... I've never met Andy Samberg, but I've interviewed him a couple of times and I, I keep bringing this movie up. Probably around the time of his career when he didn't want it to be brought up. Right. <laughs> Nowadays, hopefully he'd be happy to talk about it. But 
back then I guess I was just like a loon bringing up one of his big failures <laughs> it was a great film and I had the great fortune to be <laughs> these words have never been put in the same sentence before I had the great fortune to be on the set of Land of the Lost <laughs> nobody's ever said that before and I got to interview Danny McBride on camera this would have been about 2008 I had just moved to LA and at the end of the video I got him to do a hot rod high five with me oh wow on camera and then I think we lost the footage. Oh. So it's, 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 it's not out there. But I got him to do the whole thing, you know, the series of high fives. And then he turned to camera and went, and that is how it's done. And it was honestly pinnacle of my career. When you're in an interview situation like that with someone, maybe from something that you really love, are you still tempted? Like if you interviewed Bill Hader now, would you, would you mention Hot Rod? Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Oh, I would. Uh, yeah, I would. I think he'd. I think he'd be up for it as well. I think I, he'd be up for talking about. I think about a lot of. It feels like like these people are so tight who are in this film. It feels like this is quite a special film for them. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, maybe not like Sissy Spacek or Ian McShane. No, I think. Uh, can you imagine if you interviewed Sissy Spacek and you know, she started talking about Carrie? You went, no, 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 no. no, no, uh, no. We should mention it. Like, so the cast is incredible. There's all of these really funny people who yeah. were, you know, they were in the comedy scene at the time, but now they're so big. Bill Hader mm. or Danny McBride, huge names. Yeah. Who play uh, Rod's friends? They're part of his crew, but. Also, his mum is played by Sissy Spacek in, in someone's directorial debut from these weird guys from YouTube. And Ian McShane, like, how did Ian McShane end up in this film? Yeah, as this really vile, loathsome slug of a human being. I don't know. I, I, I'd love to see the conversations they had. They don't get to be in the comedy that much. No. Which is especially Sissy Spacek. She is one of those where she's in a completely different movie to everyone else. And she's great. She lends the film some legitimacy mm. just, by, just by the very fact her name appears in the credits. Yeah. But it's, it's, a, it's a shame she never really gets to be in all the freewheeling stuff. McShane does. Mm. Specifically at the end in the greatest freeze frame in the history of cinema. But uh, apart from that, the rest of the cast is really—it's just filled with with comedy heavy hitters and and friends of theirs. I love um, Chris Parnell's cameo because he's so good. Chris Parnell—if you've ever watched anything in SNL and some of the stuff—he's Doctor Spajemin on Thirty Rock. He's got this wonderful sort of very very smooth velvety voice. Chris Parnell in particular is, is so perfectly cast as the owner and presenter of a local AM radio yeah. show. <laughs> AM radio as well. Sponsoring this event to uh, try and make his AM radio station work Love with it. his last $1,500 or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Martin Zotzorstwick. And I'm Sam Hay. And together we make a podcast called Song, Song by Song. Song. But we don't do it alone. Almost every week we have a guest. And we've had some wonderful guests, including writers John Ronson, John Hodgman, Simon Stevens. We've had uh, musicians Eliza Rickman, uh, Jenny Conley-Drizos from the Decemberists, and Jeremy Wormsley and Elizabeth Sankey from Summer Camp. Uh, we've had podcasters Jenny Owen Youngs, Jeffrey Craner, and Phoebe Judge. All sorts of people join us to talk about the music of Tom Waite. And if that sounds fun, why don't you join us too? You can do that at our website, songbysongpodcast.com, or search for Song by Song wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> So I guess we touched on it a little bit at the beginning, but what I love about this film is like there is a plot and like there is yeah. a there's a, a very clear, very silly motivation for Rod to achieve his goal. But also the film it's such a it's kind of a small plot in a way. The film allows for a lot of fun stuff, a lot of set pieces, yeah. a lot of comedy. And they really go for it with some of those set pieces. Like the fact that he is a stunt driver and there is a, a jump at the end of the film over fifteen school buses <laughs> <laughs> with a huge ramp. You know, like there's there's production value on screen here. There is. There is. And uh I, I, I on a basic level it's a it's a it's a pastiche of 
those 80s inspirational be the best you can be movies it's a, it's a there's a little bit of karate kid in there as well and but that's one of the that's one of the the great things about this movie and pop star never stop never stopping and in fact a lot of the pastiches and a lot of parodies that the lonely island did on snl and that they they know that and the same thing with sucker abraham sucker they know that the key to pastiche apart from being really funny is veracity and they know that it's about nailing the look and the feel of the movies that they're riffing on so when there is a kind of footloose flash dance parody in this movie it looks and feels like it could be from footloose or flash dance when there is a sort of self-improvement montage it feels like it could come straight out of the karate kid as well and uh, i love that i love that commitment to getting the production values and the look of the thing absolutely right and it's got the advantage of it sort of aping a genre which is quite well known. You know, we've seen the uh, those those uh, sports films and those challenge films where someone has to improve to achieve a goal. And yep. there's a training montage, of course. Oh my god! Uh, and it's done. It's done so well here. It's such slow motion as well. Lots of slow mo. Yeah. Power ballads as well. Like the oh. music in this film is. Like, they're all. These are very musical guys. They know their yeah. stuff, and they've chosen such great tracks. We've got a lot of Europe in there. We've yeah. got Queens of the Stone Age at the end of the film. Yeah. Uh, as a as a made up band. <laughs> <laughs> And and I've mentioned it already, but you're the voice, John Farnham. Yep. <laughs> this is the movie that reestablished that song for me as as an absolute banger, uh, that will fill any dance floor. It's it's so great. Well, one of the things they're really really good at, and throughout their career, is I love comedy that pushes people's tolerance of what's funny, and they do it several times. Where the 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 bit where Rod. Uh, falls down the mountainside. Mm-hmm. Whiskey, uh, whiskey <laughs> as well. <laughs> that it's so Simpsons-esque. The bit where he's literally falling down the mountain and he's screaming, and they push it as for as long as he possibly can to the point where it becomes unfunny, and then flips around again somehow miraculously yeah. <laughs> to being funny again. I'd love to know how often. And Cool Beans is like that as well. Mm. Like how, at what point does that stop being funny, and then at what point does it start being funny again? And is there a point where it would just stop being funny is there a four minute version of cool beans for example is there a 10 minute version of cool beans yeah i i, I love the fact that they're they're willing to push it and, and willing to to take risks uh, akiva schaefer's talked about how this film was sort of heavily test screened being a paramount production that's the standard sort of thing they do and, and they did find a lot of the the comedy beats and the runtimes for certain gags through the the test screenings yeah cool beans was apparently added back into the film because of the test screenings <laughs> <laughs> when he wanted it taken out and then he because he didn't think it was funny and yeah. then actually it's hilarious and it's one of the it's most quoted amazing. lines in the film now <laughs> it's amazing uh, so I, and often people are quite negative about test screenings but yeah. I think the audiences who watch this film like they were onto a winner what heroes I salute those audiences <laughs> unless they hated it who knows but test screens <laughs> for comedies uh, Paul Feig I know swears by them mm. Sucker Abrahams and Sucker swore by them they airplane they shaped airplane because of of test screenings and because of people not laughing at certain jokes and laughing at certain stuff and airplanes one of the greatest comedies of all time it's it's very easy i think to uh to paint test screenings as 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 evil and they may be <laughs> in a way <laughs> we don't know the motivations <laughs> yeah they interfere with the artistic process who knows but they may be a necessary evil and in terms of shaping comedies what what is a comedy meant to do it's meant to make a group of people laugh and the best way to do that is to actually put it in front of a group of people. If it doesn't work, okay, we've got to go back to the drawing board. I think the Lonely Island also being comedy performers themselves, I guess they, they appreciate the, the, the necessary sometimes to do a warm-up show and to, mm. to, to hone their, their craft that way. And it feels like they're bringing that, that same care and attention yeah. to, this, to this film. 
what really surprised me was just how they as well as it you know knowing the genres it's aping and, and being a very good uh, pastiche like they make this like one of those films so there are the stunts are actually like really good yeah and they're quite gruesome and yeah. there's a lot of real extras like i think at the end that all of those people on the seats are all real so there's like a thousand extras <laughs> at the finale of this little bit like low budget silly film <laughs> because they're taking it seriously yeah and they're using old school movie making techniques which i think adds some credibility to the whole endeavor that's it. It's the whole reason why airplane works. It's the whole reason why Top Secret works. That you know, they 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 took it seriously. The actors took it seriously. No one's mugging in those movies. No one's mugging in the camera. That's not necessarily true here. There's quite a bit of mugging mm. in this film. But yeah, they 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 took it seriously and they wanted to make it look and feel like a real movie. Otherwise, what's the what's the point? I think it it works as well. Like Rod is a. He's a silly character. Yeah. He's this sort of man-child uh, yeah. thing, and I love how he still lives at home, and he's like so old. Yeah, <laughs> and, and drama so as well. Drama dresses like a little kid. He's got these lovely pajamas. Yes, but he's actually even older than Andy Samberg. <laughs> <laughs> And they play brothers. It reminds me a little bit of Step Brothers, I guess, like these two grown men living at home and, and yeah. being stupid to each other. Yeah, very juvenile. They haven't quite grown up yet. Yeah. Sandberg plays this very earnestly. You know, even though Rod is a ridiculous character, he he plays it as you know this is the most important thing to him. It's his life's mission. Yeah, uh, and and that's really infectious. It's really fun to watch that that performance. He's so good, Sandberg. He's so good in this. Uh, uh, I love him in Brooklyn Nine Nine as well. It's weird because I don't think that he would necessarily say that he's one of the best comedic actors in the world, but I think he's great. He's got fantastic instincts as well. He very rarely seems to make the wrong choice as a comedic actor. And you're absolutely right. He plays this very, very straight down the middle as well. But he's really, really funny. But Isla Fisher's really great in this film as well. Yeah, I think it was probably the first thing I've seen her in. Her uh, And she's with Will Arnett, who is brilliant in the, in the yeah. movie. Apparently he only was on set for like two days, so they had to do all of his stuff pretty quick. I mean, yeah. He's great. Yeah. He really gets it. Going to get a vitamin <laughs> water, should I make that dose? Uh, he's just so slimy and so sleazy. And he has one of the, the other standout moments of the movie for me, which is the the Babe White oh, yeah. sequence. Which again, <laughs> is one of those things where they push it as far as they possibly can. Like, you know, how how far can we make this guy just yelling, babe, wait, no! And uh, and, 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 and it's still being funny. I love that. I love it so much. Do you have a, a favourite gag in this movie? Probably Cool Beans, to be honest. The thing that just killed me last night when I was rewatching this film is the Ebenezer Scrooge scene. So everything goes well for Rod. <laughs> he celebrates. The crowd are cheering. He's done. The, he stood up after doing the stunt. And then there's an Ebenezer Scrooge <laughs> character who puts his head out of one of the school buses that Rod <laughs> has just jumped over. And, you know, it's that whole, you know, it's Christmas Day! <laughs> and they're just building on that, that you know, thing that happens at the end of uh, Christmas Carol. But it's so yeah. good and it's so left field. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, left field's where these guys live. Uh, I, I, love, I that. love that. It was like you're only like a Simpsons gag or something. Yeah, you see it, something like that in it there. It feels <laughs> it feels at times like a live action Simpsons movie. It really does. The uh, the, the cool bean sequence, I think, most of all, feeling like something. Well, that, that doesn't feel Simpsons esque at all. But it it really does feel like they took the sensibility of an animation and uh, applied it to live action as best as they could. Cool, cool beans, beans, cool, 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 cool beans, cool beans. So there we have it. Hot Rod is in the 90 minutes or less film festival. 88 minutes long. Oh, there's room for two more two more minutes of cool beans. No. <laughs> oh yeah, that would have been brilliant. <laughs> but then we wouldn't be talking about it. No. <laughs> Dang. Um, Such a shame. At our film festival, we like to not just show the movies in the cinema, but we like to do a bit of an event around them. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had a blank check to eventize Hot Rod, uh-huh. where, what, what direction would you take this? I'd go big. 
I'd go really big. I'd fly in all the cast, including Sissy Spacek. Uh, I would have a big old Q and A at the end of the uh, at the end of the film. I'd have all the cast members. Uh, so I'd have Isla Fisher, Will Arnett, Danny McBride, Sissy Spacek, Amy McShane, all of them. And I would have Andy Samberg jump over them on a motorbike. <laughs> That's we could raise idea. some money. Uh, we could we could absolutely <laughs> raise. We, AM radio is very very important here in the city of London, and uh, I think it's important that uh, we get the word out over AM radio and raise some money for something. I'm not quite sure what. Uh, what would it be? No, well, maybe we should um, help repay the cost of the movie. <laughs> or yeah, <laughs> or, or after Andy Samberg drives his motorbike into the cast members, perhaps we could pay for the rehabilitation yeah. as well. <laughs> I'm not sure he's a trained stunt stunt biker, uh, stunt bikey man, stunt bikey man. I'd also have Danny McBride. You know, I'd, I'd have maybe like a, a fun fair type feeling. This is what I wanted to ask. Are these all being created at the same time? So this is this film festival. So am I on at the same time as you were never really here or Toy Story? So are Dave and Kathy over there doing their thing and then I'm do I'm on at the same time. So people have to choose what they want to see. This is the world's longest film festival, which is ironic because we're all about short films. <laughs> so it's another it's like um it's like a human centipede of ninety minute movies <laughs> and when one ends another begins. And we just keep building this all right, until okay. we get this impossible stack. So people of don't films. have to choose. It's not no, like no, no. So the basically you buy festival. a ticket and as long as you it's like uh, going to the multiplex in the nineties, as long as you stay in your seat, you never have to leave. All right, okay. You can hide in the toilets so when, when they're cleaning this... the screen. <laughs> <laughs> when does all this stuff happen? All this uh, sort of extracurricular stuff that I've... I have flown in the cast this of Hot true. Rod, Sam. I so, don't want to just waste that. I think there's a there's a there's an allotted time between uh, 60 oh, and 30 I, minutes I don't of think pre- and post-activity around each this. film. You know what? We haven't thought about that at all. I think you need to rethink, <laughs> you need to rethink the premise of your show well, and start I think it's as, it's as long as you need. Yeah, as long as you need. Because <laughs> the films are so short, why should we restrict yeah, the fun, the, the fun in the foyer? You know, I, I have this idea for this sort of experiential cinema thing, almost like a secret cinema, if you will. I think that that idea, that format applied to your ninety minute or less film festival, that could really, really work. So I would have a fun fair. I would have, I would have the whole thing. I would have. A Danny McBride stall where you can go up to Danny McBride and you can you can high five him just <laughs> repeatedly, and he wouldn't get bored of it because no, he's Danny he's McBride. A, he's, he's a man he's mountain. A, he's working. I'd do that. He's you could it. you could if you so desired punch Ian McShane. <laughs> yeah, a fight Ian McShane. Booth. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and we'd have a photographer on on board on standby, and you know to have your you own personal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that you're on board. I like it. <laughs> Your own personal little freeze frame that you can take home with you, and then, then, finally, you know the big finish is Andy Samberg, kind of hospitalising the rest of the cast by driving into them on a motorbike. But otherwise, it's fine. You can have you know Will Arnett bellowing, Babe, wait. I, <laughs> I we've brought them over at great expense. I want them to dance for me. Absolutely. I mean, they know the deal. They get first class flights, but they gotta they've got to be in the booth. They've got to be in a headlock. <laughs> <laughs> you will be hospitalised. I have to say that to these. Yeah, you will suffer great indignities and and possibly personal injury, but um, it'll be fun. If you had a chance to host uh, like a giant Q and A with the cast, ah, that'd be something you'd want to do. Or... Whoever's left, <laughs> yeah, after, with the survivors. After, after, after Andy Sandberg has uh, has run them all over, yes, I absolutely would. It'd be incredible, and then it would have to end with a sort of. 25 minutes sort of bacchanalian orgy of cool beans <laughs> uh, just with the, the entire audience getting involved so we the people cool saying cool beans. <laughs> <laughs> Sam this does not sound great 
I mean, I think this is this is the event that will that will push us over the top. This is the one that's gonna sell all the tickets. <laughs> yeah, watching the destruction of some of our comedy heroes <laughs> by one of our comedy heroes. Come and see Bill Hader flattened <laughs> at seventy miles an hour. He can take it. It's in keeping with his character in the film. He, at one point, he has a shard of metal yeah, in his uh, face, and Andy Samberg has to in hospital. You know, it's building yeah. upon that injury from uh, two thousand seven. Really yeah. <laughs> Well, that sounds that sounds wonderful. I I, uh, I can't wait for this event. <laughs> Actually, now 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 I think about it, I don't think that you're fully on board with this. I'm I'm quite on board. I think my one flourish I would also add is I I loved Lonely Island. I'd love to see them perform. Um, so maybe ahead of the film, they they sing an introduction to the film before the destruction and nice. chaos that you'll bring to the screening later. <laughs> <laughs> And even though it's not from this movie, they had to sing "Incredible Thoughts" from Popstar. Yeah, which is one <laughs> well, of the great maybe. songs. Let's see when before you know we finalize this lineup. There's a chance that someone could choose Popstar, so maybe we can double build them. Okay, potential guests, if you're listening, think about Popstar. <laughs> yeah, ninety minute film festival never stop, never stopping. So, Chris, do you think this film could or should be longer than ninety minutes? Uh, no. That's the correct Although I'm answer. really tempted to <laughs> throw in an extra 25 minutes of Cool Beans. I mean, the film, like I say, there's a couple of minutes to play with. We could have a couple more minutes of Cool Beans. Yeah, or just a little bit more of Will Arnett bellowing. <laughs> or just one of the montages. The riot montage is, is fantastic. But otherwise, no, I think this is uh, this is pretty much bang on. Chris, where can people read or listen to more of your work on the internet? Assuming they'd want to, of course, after this, uh, they can find me on the Twitters as at Chris Hewitt, on the Instagrams as <laughs> the catcher at CTAH1976. I'm not a bot, honest. I'm not a bot. And uh, obviously an Empire as well, Empire Magazine. And they can read that every month, every four weeks from all good and evil news agents. And every Friday for the regular Empire podcast. And obviously we do, we do lots of specials as well so they can, they can get their fill. Thank you for listening. And please do subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. A lovely, lovely review. Uh, as an independent podcast, that really helps us out. Uh, we're also available on Spotify and all good podcatchers. You can also stream the podcast on 90minfilmfest.com. That's 90minfilmfest.com. You can also contact us there or on Twitter and Instagram at 90minfilmfest. The show is produced by Louise Owen and me, Sam Clements. The show is edited by Louise Owen, with sound mixing and additional editing by Luke Smith. Our music is by Martin Ostwick, and our artwork is by Sam Gilby. Thank you so much for talking to us today, Chris. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Bye. We're a proud member of the Stripped Media Network.